Hello and welcome to another edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Williams, joined as always by me, myself, and I. The Panthers have an off day today. We're recording this on a Thursday morning. Technically not an off day. They're just having a walkthrough. Uh, they're still down there in Spartanburg. It's not like Matt Rule broke camp or anything and, and let the guys go home. Uh, they're grinding. They're still working. Uh, as media, we have no availability today. So uh, we were able to you know, get out of Spartanburg before about five or six last night and uh, woke up in Charlotte in my apartment. So that's always a good feeling. A little recharged, rejuvenated. Uh, but the, the grind don't stop, right? Um, if the Panthers are working, then so are we. So I want to, on this podcast, go over what I learned from day seven of Panthers training camp. It's crazy. We're already at day seven. It's flying by. And I, the topic of today's discussion is going to be centered around the notion that this is probably Baker Mayfield's job to lose as in the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. I know a lot of y'all thinking or listening are probably thinking like, well, of course Baker was going to be the starter and no duh. And I, and I understand all that, but it's our job as reporters to visualize process, articulate, and then deliver accurate reports on what we see each day at camp. And when Baker Mayfield started camp, you know, a week and a half ago, there was he just was not ready to be the Carolina Panthers starting quarterback. It's that simple. Now that's the point of why they practice. There's no games to play until September 11th. They have a lot of time to figure this out. But as we go day by day, that's why we're doing the quarterback tracker. That's why we're trying to be as transparent with this competition as possible. And I think it's materializing how a competition should. You're, you're slowly seeing a winner materialize. And after three straight days of Baker Mayfield outperforming Sam Darnold, I, if you read the quarterback tracker, I said it was a uh, Wednesday was a tie. And I'll get into why that is. But overall, Baker Mayfield has been outplaying Sam Darnold, largely just because they're different quarterbacks. Baker is about driving the ball downfield. He plays with pace. He plays with tempo. He wants to push it. And then the stuff Sam Darnold does well, the checkdowns, knowing where the ball should be going, the stuff that just comes with having a full understanding of an offense. Baker is slowly starting to execute those parts of Ben McAdoo's system as well. So to cut to the chase, the answer is yes. I do think this is now Baker Mayfield's job to lose. He separated himself after Tuesday's practice. And I thought Wednesday's practice, though far from impressive, and I want to get into that in a second here, Baker showed two things that I really liked that Sam just hasn't done yet. And I'm not sure he ever will. The first we're talking about a red zone session, 11 on 11 Panthers are on about the five yard line. Baker goes up to the line of scrimmage. Sun is blaring down on everybody. The defense is chatting. It's a big rep, important rep. Baker looks to his right. 
sees Terrace Marshall matched up on a backup defensive back. He makes a little hand signal, a little check. At the snap of the ball, Terrace squares up the corner, gets a little hezzy shake on him. He runs a fade to the right back pylon, gets the corner on his back hip pocket, and Baker just throws a beautiful over-the-shoulder ball to Terrace, who gets both feet down, knocks over the back pylon, touchdown's good, and 88 hits the gritty to celebrate. To me, that is what pairing Baker Mayfield with Ben McAdoo is going to bring this year. It's going to give Baker the liberty to take those matchups more often, find the favorable thing he likes at the line of scrimmage and execute it. Speaking from experience in covering Baker Mayfield, I can tell you he didn't have much liberty to do that in Cleveland. There were times, of course, like anything, but uh, there was a, a lot of structure in Cleveland and they had him playing within a specific scheme, run heavy, two tight end, play action, where, where Baker had a lot of the answers available to him pre-snap, but he didn't have the liberty to go out there and, and ball. And I'm not saying that's necessarily great for Baker Mayfield or like the offense that's going to put Baker Mayfield in the best position to succeed. We have a lot to find out still for that to be the case, but it's just different than what he was allowed to do in Cleveland. I mean, in the two-minute offense, of course, he had those luxuries, but I, I think this Ben McAdoo offense is going to allow him to really at any point take a matchup he likes, you know, unless he is playing outside himself, then you, you'll reel him back in. But you want Baker to be Baker. That's that's the only way you are going to maximize his play. So that was one of the plays that stood out. And then another thing I really liked from Mayfield, I, quickly I'll just go over their stats from Wednesday. Sam Donald, 7 for 12. No touchdowns, no interceptions, nothing notable. Baker, nine for 14, one touchdown. And you just heard how he scored that, which is kind of the crux of why I called the day seven a tie. It was because the Panthers' offense was, were putting a lot of scrimmage situations against the Panthers' defense, and the defense just won. You know, a, a lot of these periods of practice were – Carolina's offense starting at the 25-yard line. The chains are out. The referees are out. Go score a touchdown. Go get points. And if you don't, we're going to punt the ball so our specials get some reps, and we're going to make this as close to, you know, game-like as you can for a, a early August practice. And Sam Darnold went th three and out on one of his drives. Uh, Baker had a punt. But it was Baker's final drive, final team drive, which was a two-minute drill where I actually only got to see this part of Baker because I was told that Matt Rule's presser was going to start. So the media is underneath the tent in the back of the end zone on one of the fields. But I started walking towards the autograph row, if you will. And sitting there on the hill where all the fans watch, I got to see a sideline view of Baker Mayfield take command of that two-minute two offense. And I was really impressed. This is stuff we can't write, but I'll give to you here. Baker demonstrated a lot of command of that offense, wanted to play with tempo. He started the drive with a deep 20-yard in to DJ Moore, uh, thrown to his right. I would say that DJ probably would have gotten lit up by Xavier Woods there. Who knows if he makes the catch? You don't like seeing Baker throw his receivers into traffic. He did that a little bit too often in Cleveland, including – 
a play that hurt Odell Beckham Jr. But, all right, the play counts. I'll move on from that. The next play is a uh, 12-yard out to Rashad Higgins. Again, on the right side, Baker just saw off coverage. New Higgy was at a, a, a deep speed out, took it, easy pitch catch. You know, they, they, move, they move the ball about 38 yards in two plays. Now you got Baker around the opposite 40. The defense is 40. And he had a chance to get three plays completions in a row. He had CJ Saunders in the slot to the right. Saunders ran a, a, about an eight-yard eight yard speed out. And Baker threw the ball uh, too far outside. But that was actually on CJ. And that's the tidbit I'm giving you here that I can't write about necessarily. I mean, ask forgiveness, not permission, but I think it's just easier to let it flow in the podcast. Um, CJ runs a speed out and he just took too much time at the line of scrimmage. He got open, but it just took too long. So Baker, as they're trying to figure out the next play, you know, incomplete pass, uh, clock stops. I think they still had, you know, maybe 20, 25 seconds. Baker barks, not in a demeaning way, not in a, you did something wrong way. Just like, hey, CJ, if you see that, let's get there faster. To paraphrasing, but that's about what he said. And that's that's impressive stuff. That is a quarterback who knows where he wants his players to be and when he wants them to be there. And for a guy who, again, didn't have a Panthers playbook two weeks before camp, couldn't work with the coaches because the NFL's no conduct policy, was learning the offense himself rather than it being taught to him by the experts. That's good to see. And I know I'm probably talking like, oh, Baker executed a, a vertical out concept. I mean, you've been running that since middle school. I don't care. That's, I mean, he's, he's putting his imprint on this offense already. And the players are responding. I know to understand it's CJ Saunders, but, you know, I talked about him and Robbie Anderson's deep connection, 50-yard post play from Tuesday, play at camp still. And I'm, I'm deviating a little bit here, but we talked to Robbie Anderson after practice on yesterday and he called that a beautiful ball. He's, he's, he's ready to play with Baker. He's ready to ball out with Baker. Baker's already won Robbie over from what I am seeing. You know, that's not something we've asked Robbie because he would say, yes, he's not trying to create no drama, but it's, it look, Robbie looks happy. So it tells you all you need to know. Unfortunately, that drive for Baker Mayfield ends with a field goal, which I shouldn't say unfortunately, you know, points are points, but I want to see this team put the ball in the end zone, right? That's, that's the only way you win games in this league. Score, touchdowns. I, especially in the middle eight, you know, these two-minute drives in the fourth quarter. If, if the Panthers want to be a playoff team, they've got to score in the middle eight. They were horrendous in the middle eight last year, atrocious in the third quarter last year, and then their two-minute offense needs to execute. And because Baker Mayfield on the next play after the C.J. Saunders play threw a check down to Chuba Hubbard, which, you know, it's a completion, but I just don't understand check downs in two-minute offense. You're you're looking for yards. You need to move the ball. The time is the most important thing, and you need chunk yards. You can make up three yards by completing a 13-yard ball just throw an incompletion there. It's not about the downs. It's about the time and the score. And Baker knows that. I'm not, I'm not ranting at him. It's just this team, if they want to 
get to where they envision themselves going are going to have to put the pedal down on this offense at some point. I need to see some, some touchdowns and not red zone scores. I'm talking scores from 28 yards out, 22 yards out. I'm talking sc- score in two plays from the 30-yard line. Don't care how you do it. Just get in the end zone. So he throws the check on a Chuba Hubbard. They take a little too long trying to figure out if they should use their one timeout or if they should clock it. And then they end up having to take a timeout and Zane kicks probably like a 38 yarder that ends practice. But that was just a, you know, a little rant about what I saw from Baker yesterday that though I didn't give him the win in the story, cause I really couldn't indulge much of those details. I, he has clearly separated himself from Sam Darnold three days in a row. He's been crisp. He's been sharp. There's been mistakes. Of course, the Frankie Lubu interception from Wednesday, we can't forget about that. That was a two-minute drill that ended in four plays because of a Baker pick. But no mistakes from Baker on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, step in the right direction. Sam, it's getting more difficult to even write his section of the QB tracker, if I'm being honest with y'all. He just isn't, he just doesn't do much to impress or pop. He's checking the ball down, he gets the ball to his running back, gets it to the tight end, but like it's it, it's Sam Darnold, and I know I'm the new guy, so it's like I'm realizing this for the first time. You guys have already heard all this. I was talking to a former Panthers beat writer who was just kind of giggling with me, like, yeah, welcome to Spartanburg. This is how Sam Darnold plays quarterback. So this is Baker Mayfield's job to lose, and I would expect Baker only continues to look better and sharper as camp progresses, as you know, we've kind of all said from the jump. Um, All right. I want to touch a little bit on the offensive line. Taylor Moten talked to media on Wednesday, had a lot of great things to say about Brady Christensen and Ethan Mikwanu specifically regarding Taylor and himself. He got asked, you know, when are the pro bowls coming? Essentially what's the question paraphrasing, but, and I really liked his answer. He said, you know, my job is to bring a chip to the Carolinas, the pro bowls, the all pros, the awards will fall where they do and take care of themselves. If I focus on being the best Taylor Moten I can be. I mean, he's a, he's a wholesome, genuine dude. I know y'all know that. And do I think Taylor Moten's about to have a career year? I don't know. I think this Panthers rushing game is going to surprise people. I mean, they're really opening up some holes up front. I'd say they regressed a little bit on Wednesday. Not a good day for Michael Jordan. I'm not sure Pat Alfine had his best day either. I just saw a lot of interior pressure. Marcus Haynes, Marquise Haynes, excuse me. Um, Etor, Gross Matos, you know, guys were getting in the backfield a little more frequently than I had seen on Monday and Tuesday. Remember, Phil Snow said this is the week his defense is – they're going to find out if they can stop the run. They hadn't stopped the run the first two days. I thought Wednesday they, they really beat up on the offense. But I think I think big things are in store for Christian McCaffrey this year. Dante Foreman, I think, is going to have some fantasy relevance. And if that all means Taylor Moten has a career year because the unit as a whole is playing its best football, then that would, that would make sense. I know there's still concerns about Iku Mikwanu. The other left tackles drafted after him are all repping with the first team. Icky really isn't yet. I wouldn't worry about it until 
it is time to worry, but I don't think it is anytime soon. We will see. We'll see how this progresses. Just monitor it. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Uh, Just updating you guys on the schedule before I get out of here. Shorter podcast. I say that and then they end up being 24 minutes. Um, The Panthers, like I said, walk through today, practice tomorrow, which is Friday, depending on when you listen to this. That Friday practice will be a higher intensity one, Matt Rule said. And then Saturday's practice starting at 8.30 a.m., bright and early, is going to be more of a scrimmage. It'll be a lot like Wednesday's practice, but even longer. So we're going to see a lot of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold in game situations, having to pick up first downs, having to move the chains, having to beat the clock, having passes officiated, having play action passing, having to make checks. Saturday's going to be a fun morning. Uh, then they'll get a break, and then they're back at it again next week. So that's the rundown for the rest of the week. I will get out of here on this note. I'm, I just, you know, being being new to the beat, new to the area, I never know how people feel about talking about Cam Newton in the present. There's part of me that wants to always be forward thinking. I, I think nostalgia is, though comfortable and enjoyable, is dangerous. One of my favorite lines in a cinema history and movie history is from Star Wars The Last Jedi when Kylo Ren says, bury the past, kill it if you have to. So meta, but so real. Kill it if you have to. There's just something about moving on. It doesn't mean we don't respect the past. Always pay homage. Respect your elders. Ask those questions. I mean, I was a history minor. And history does not repeat, but it often rhymes. All of those things have value and importance, but in the present day moment, we can't cling to what was. With all of that being said, I did think it was interesting when Robbie Anderson asked about Cam Newton, said that he stays in touch with his brother, someone he considers family, that they just tapped in with each other the other day. He thinks that Cam, now he, again, he was asked about Cam, Robbie's not just going to start spilling the tea unless asked well about it. Um, Robbie said that, you know, he thinks Cam could be in camp right now if he wanted to, but he's waiting for the right situation, which aligns with what some things Cam has said in this offseason, just about how he overestimated himself, thinking he could play at a Pro Bowl level, going to a, a team where he was just learning the offense and never really got to learn the offense. We'll see how Cam Newton's story unfolds. Personally, he's one of my favorite football players ever. I mean, I'm not even a college football. I, I've said it before. I'm not a college football watcher, consumer fan. But even I was in awe and mesmerized by Cam Newton's Auburn run. I, the night Cam Newton was drafted, actually, and I'll, uh, maybe I'll find this old post and, and put it up on Twitter for you all someday. I posted on Facebook, mind you. This would have been, what, 2010 or 11, something like that. It wasn't even on Twitter yet, I don't think. I just wrote a Facebook comment or post that said, Cam Newton will win an NFL MVP. Now, I don't think that was the most Nostradamus thing to say, but the Cam Newton hate has always been real. It's always been there, and I've never understood it. That man is gold jacket worthy, an HOFer, even after he did. That's a, that's a Chris Carter 
line. I don't, I don't no ill will towards Cam. Obviously, just that's that's one of my favorite bars ever, and he deserves that. Cam's Cam's a goat. I just can't even imagine what it was like watching him all these years here. I don't can't imagine what that 2015 season was like for y'all. And I hope Cam gets to end his career on his terms, however that may be, at some point. We'll see. If anything happens with Cam, I'm sure we'll write a little something on it. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit. But he's not a part of this Carolina Panthers team this year. They drafted a rookie quarterback. They signed Baker Mayfield. Clearly, he's not in the plans, and I don't anticipate him ever being in the plans for Carolina, at least this season. On that note, we're going to get out of here. I'm Ellis Williams. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. Until tomorrow, y'all. Take care.